Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, and as always, I am joined by my partner in crime. He is the managing editor for the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. Jay, it's good to be back here with you after a weekend. Things are starting to slow down a little bit, but that doesn't mean there are there aren't plenty of things for us to talk about. Yeah, man, glad to be back. And yeah, as you said, you know, with the draft over with, things have slowed down, which, you know, is it's okay for me right now because we, we put in a lot of work during the draft and in the pre-draft process. So anyway, glad to be back, man. Glad to talk some football. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can make this content stretch for a, another good podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely not worried about that. I'm, I know as far as this week's topic, we have plenty to get into. So we're going to get started here in just a moment. Before we begin, though, I want to give a special shout out to those of you who have gone out of your way to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, as well as some comments. All of that support really means a a whole lot, and it goes a long way at supporting the podcast as well. So thank you guys so much. Make sure you're subscribing over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Illuminary, and TuneIn. And of course, you can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of their awesome library. You can find me on Twitter at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and then Jay over at SportsGrind underscore Dawn. We are always fielding your questions, so if you have any Jaguar-related questions, feel free to send them our way. You can also follow the podcast at Believe in Jags Pod. So, Jay, let's get into it here. So, plenty to talk about. Of course, the schedule was released last week, and there were a few signings that we want to get into. We'll go. We'll actually cover that first. So the Jaguars did go ahead and sign Mike Glennon as well as defensive lineman Aaron Lynch. Now, Mike Glennon, most notably, of course, uh, has spent a couple uh, a couple years being a journeyman. He was a third-round pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's also spent time with the Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals, and the Oakland Raiders. I think at one point, the Chicago Bears did kind of seem to try and pen him in as being the future of their team. Of course, that did not work out on the team's official site Doug Marone said Mike is entering his eighth season in the NFL and will bring a vital experience into our quarterback room and make us a better football team we want to be as strong as possible at every position of course Jay we were all expecting Andy Dalton to be on his way here in Jacksonville but he ended up making the surprising decision to sign with my other team which is the Dallas Cowboys amidst all of their quarterback mess that they have going on there with Dak Prescott so I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on them bringing in a guy like Mike Glennon. And then, of course, as I mentioned, Aaron Lynch was also brought in. He has uh, kind of jumped around from a, between a couple of different teams. He was a fifth-round selection back in 2014. And, Jay, you will tell us the significance of that here in just a moment. Admittedly, I was not 100% aware that Aaron Lynch was still in the league. Um, but, you know, with the team heading to this 3-4 defense, maybe they're looking to add some depth. So, Jay, between those two pickups, Mike Glennon, Aaron Lynch, what uh, what came to your mind when you heard about these two signings? Uh, yeah, I'll start with uh, Glennon first, I guess. Um, and Glennon is a guy like I can recall from, and this is often how I recall a lot of people from around the league is uh, during the pre-draft processes. These are people I study. So I remember him from NC State, was a strong arm guy, prototypical height, weight, uh, went to the senior bowl, I really caught some eyes there. And then afterward, he went to Tampa Bay. They drafted him in the third round. Can't remember exactly where in the third round, but he was a third round pick in uh, 2013 or somewhere along those lines. Uh, And he actually, you know, he showed in spurts there 
And that was good enough to, you know, intrigue the Chicago's uh, the Chicago Bears interest to pay him the contract, which you spoke of already. Uh, and then, you know, since then, it kind of hasn't panned out. You know, he's kind of been a journeyman, uh, went to the Oakland Raiders as well. A lot of people recognize him from uh, the uh, Hard Knock show from last year, which featured the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden and, and the company. So I think that's where the connection may come in is John Gruden and Jay Gruden. Of course, they're brothers. Jay Gruden is obviously the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and was signed uh, earlier in the offseason. And, uh, you know, you would think they run identical type of schemes, identical concepts. After all, Jay Gruden was a part of John Gruden's scheme, or at least his staff, should I say, uh, back when they was at Tampa Bay. So there's that. You know, he probably reached out to his brother, get a little insight on the veteran Mike uh, Glennon and, and see uh, you know, how he fared with the Oakland Raiders. And is is this a guy that, you know, you would like to bring in and and basically, you know, have mentor and, and help out and provide that veteran presence in the uh, Jaguars quarterback room, which they really, really desperately need. As we all have said, you know, Gardner Minshew, uh, you know, then played the whole season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, went 66 as a starter um, and, you know, then you look behind him. If you look behind him on the depth chart, you know, uh, there's not a lot of experience behind him. So, you know, Mike Glenn is a guy that, uh, if I can recall, I think he started in roughly 20 games or a little bit more than that. So he's a guy that is battle tested. He's seen some things. He's seen a variety of schemes because obviously we just say he's a journeyman. So, you know, he'll bring some experience into the room and then help out Gardner Minshew in that way. In terms of Aaron Lynch, you know, he was a guy that was, he, he really caught fire when he was with the team that drafted him. And that was the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, as we all know, Trent Baalke was the GM there when uh, they drafted him. So he had the hand or he was the one that drafted Aaron Lynch ultimately. So that's probably where the interest came in at. So they brought him in. I think it was another team that may have, spoke with Aaron Lynch earlier in the year. Don't quote me on that. I can't remember who it was, but he didn't end up signing with them, came to Jacksonville, probably felt comfortable with Balky being here. So, you know, with them transitioning into the 34 defense, at least on base downs, he'll help there. He's a guy that uh, more so could probably help you more so against the run. Although during his time with the 49ers, he did put a roughly, I think, 20 sacks or something along those lines, maybe 18 uh, off the top of my head, sacks while there with the 49ers really hasn't had that production since. There's been some conditioning issues that I've heard of or I've read of uh, since he left the 49ers. Uh, you know, there's been some health issues. He hasn't been able to stay on the field quite like some people would like. Uh, so that being said, you know, I don't know if he would necessarily be a shoe-in uh, to necessarily be on the roster, but he's a guy that definitely has a chance to be on the roster, can compete with Cassius Marsh. And, you know, some of the guys like that that are on the back of that uh, defensive end slash outside linebacker depth chart. So we'll see where uh, the preseason goes for him. That's ultimately where his story will be told. Can he stay healthy? Can he help them against the run where they've really struggled at at times? And if so, he definitely can make the final roster. Now, as far as Mike Glennon goes, Jay, I do have a question, of course, because quarterback is, you know, one of the, uh, well, probably the most important position in sports. Now, are you surprised this is the way that they went after Andy Dalton was then off the board? Now, you hear a lot of fans clamoring for a guy like Cam Newton. I think you and I have been on the record of saying you don't bring in a guy like Cam Newton if you have a lot of faith in Gardner Minshew. So for those of the fans out there that are still kind of clamoring for a guy like a Cam Newton, what is it do you think that made the Jaguars go in the direction of a guy like Mike Lennon? And why are they not going to go in the direction of a Cam Newton? Yeah, well, for me, I think, and me and you've had this conversation before, I think if you bring in Cam Newton, I think Cam Newton would beat out Gardner Minshew. And, you know, you know how front offices are. They kind of want their guy who is Gardner Minshew, in this case, the guy they drafted. They want to they want him to be that guy. I mean, and when you look at it from this perspective, Gardner Minshew, if he is the guy, he'll be around for roughly 18 more years. Cam Newton, who is 30 and has dealt with some injury issues, you know, the ankle most notably. But I think he's healthy now, but he's not going to be around as long, especially with his style of play. But at the same time, I also see it from this perspective. I think if you bring in Cam Newton, he's a guy that, again, he would probably beat out Gardner Minshew, in my opinion. 
if he was the guy and that would not present them the opportunity to see if, you know, what they have in Gardner Minshew. And you can't blame him for one to see what they have in the rookie. Um, because like I said, he'll be dirt cheap next year. Once again, you can build a lot around him. I, I've said this on the radio plenty of times. You could build around him. You could put a lot of pieces around him with the affordable rate he'll be on next year. You know, with a Cam Newton, you know, you might have to fork over some money as well. So, that may be uh, playing a thing into it, too. But again, like I was saying, I digress from the point. I think Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew, and he would beat him out in a head-to-head competition. And, you know, if the Jaguars want Gardner Minshew to be that guy, you know, and, and Cam Newton had the preseason that I think he could have, uh, when he's not placed as the starter, people are going to be wondering, like, what what is going on here exactly? You know, that would that would cause some... Uh, a little bit of an uproar within the fan base because maybe he could outperform Gardner Minshew in the preseason, but they truly want to see what Gardner Minshew has. So that would have presented a problem. And I think from a athletic standpoint, like I'm not saying that Gardner Minshew hasn't shown anything in the pocket and whatnot, but you know, Cam Newton is, you know, this six foot six guy that's, you know, that, that can run almost like four, six speed. He's like a linebacker that, that just keeps trucking that you can't basically stop. So from the athletic standpoint, I think he's much better than Gardner Minshew, although Gardner Minshew has shown what he can do and, and be mobile in the pocket and evade defenders and this, that, and the other. But still, like when comparing him to, to Cam Newton athletically, that's a whole nother different player uh, when you when you look at it from that perspective. So I think, you know what I'm saying, they wanted to like legit concretely just have it to where Gardner Minshew is the guy uh, you get a guy like Mike Glennon, Glennon, who is not expected to start unless, you know, bearing, you know, an injury, which we'll knock on wood that that doesn't happen. But, you know, Mike Glennon is a guy that, you know, I can't see basically like Cam Newton. I can't see Glennon beating Gardner Minshew in the preseason or looking better than him in the preseason. But nonetheless, he's a guy that has the experience and can come in. If Minshew goes now for a game or two, you know, and he could keep you afloat, albeit, you know, it depends on what teams you're playing, but he could keep you afloat. And he's a guy that also can mentor Gardner Minshew in the process because, like I said, that quarterback's room is very, very uh, young behind him with um with Luton and um, Josh Dobbs. You know, both of those guys have zero starts to their name. So, you know, Glennon offers you something in that category over them. And he's a guy, like I said, that has been a journeyman, been in multiple systems and can help Gardner Minshew uh, through, you know, what could be a trying season. Yeah, that's a good point there as far as Cam coming in and winning the job, because like you said, we don't believe that Mike Glennon is going to come in and and push Gardner as far as starting role. And if he does in the preseason, then something is very, very wrong and something has gone very wrong. So I think that's a good call. Um, I definitely would have been better with, Andy Dalton or would have felt better, I guess I should say. But unfortunately, the cards didn't play out that way. But for for Cam Newton, you know, I just keep seeing so many national pundits, especially on ESPN, guys like Ryan Clark and and people like that just saying, you know, slot Cam Newton in here to Jacksonville. And I think really what it's going to take is if something happens to Gardner, like you said, you know, God forbid something does happen to him as far as an injury, then maybe you look that way. But if you want Gardner to be the guy you just can't bring in somebody like Cam Newton who don't don't forget just a couple years ago was the MVP of this league now I don't think Gardner's ceiling is an MVP but if you do want to try and find out what he has this year bringing in a guy like Cam Newton who is probably better than him when when 100% healthy maybe even 80 to 90% healthy I think Jay we talked about off the air an 80 or 90% Cam Newton's probably better than Gardner Minshew let's just be completely honest and like you said athletically the guy is a is an absolute beast you know so it's yet to be seen as far as what happens with cam but i don't think that he is going to be brought in here just based off of all the signs that they have given us here in the offseason so we'll move on Uh, you know i'm sure we'll bring up we'll have plenty of time to talk about quarterbacks jay like you said (laughs) leading up to you know whenever training camp actually begins as as well as preseason in the actual season we'll see what happens with everything that's going on. But we're going to move on to our main topic here this week, Jay, and that is the schedule, which came out last week. Um, the The Jaguar social media page had an interesting way of going about it. Jay, I don't know if you saw the video that was put out as far as with all the cats 
Uh, really quick, how did you feel about that? <laughs> because I have some thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty weird, but I, I mean, it was entertaining at the same time. And I've watched about, uh, I, and it was an article on this, actually. I forgot what site it was on, but, uh, you know, they compared basically or they ranked the top uh, scheduled release videos that everybody had from their Twitter pages. And the Jaguars one didn't make it, but it was interesting and it was actually funny and entertaining. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know about anybody else or, or you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hated it. Uh, I, I thought it was incredibly stupid. I, I, I actually comment, and I never comment on Instagram posts really ever, but I did call for that person's job. I mean, I was, I was just kidding, uh, but no, I did not like it whatsoever. I thought comparing us to kittens is not the best look. When you're trying, when you're playing a sport like football, I get why it was going to be funny. Like, I really liked the one from like, what was, I think it was two years ago, I think in 2018, Jay, when everybody had, was, remember they made all the opponents infants, like they were babies. That was funny. I, I liked that a lot. And like Jalen was like holding baby DeAndre Hopkins. I thought that was hilarious. Did not like the cats, but you know, to each their own, but we're going to actually do a little differently as for, we're not just going to go over each game by game that would take forever um, what we decided to do is between Jay and I, we actually selected three games that we feel have the most intrigue or interest us the most. And we're going to talk about those. Before we do that, though, I'm just going to go over the schedule all all 17 weeks. And uh, this is what it looks like. So we're going to open up with the Colts at home. We then go to Tennessee. We then have a Thursday night game against the Miami Dolphins, not the Tennessee Titans. So we will have a Thursday night game, hopefully that everybody will be able to attend here in Jacksonville. We will then go to Cincinnati to play Joe Burrow. We'll then go to Houston to take on Deshaun Watson. We then have the Lions here at home with Matthew Stafford. We'll go to the Los Angeles Chargers in that new stadium out there in L.A. to possibly face Justin Herbert. They will then be home to play the Houston Texans again. They will then go to Green Bay, which will be very interesting with everything going on there in Green Bay, Wisconsin. They will then host the Steelers and host the Browns. They, they will then go to Minnesota, host Tennessee, to Baltimore, host Chicago, and then finish up in Indianapolis. So you open up with Indy and then close with NDJ. A lot of very, very interesting opponents in there. And a schedule that, I, and we're going to get into this here in just a moment. This is a schedule that is going to be very, very interesting for a young team, a team that has a lot of talent, and I think a team that, when it comes down to it, might surprise some people. I don't think, I mean, I've been very vocal. I don't want them to surprise anybody. I, I think a lot of people know that I, I want us to go for Trevor Lawrence, but there are some opponents that we can surprise some people with. So I'm going to let you go first, Jay. So who is the the first team and this is in no particular order. We just pick three teams. But who is the first team that you want to point out here as far as most intriguing games for the 2020 schedule for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, so the first team I went with was, uh, and again, like you said, this is not in no particular order, but I went with the uh, Miami Dolphins in the Thursday night football game. And again, it's like because which of basically what you mentioned, you know, we we knew that we probably weren't going to get but one game, you know what I'm saying, in terms of a a primetime game but the fact that it's not the Tennessee Titans that just made me happy in itself like you know I'm tired of seeing the Tennessee Titans albeit we did beat the Tennessee Titans handily last year in primetime football on Thursday night football at that uh, but for the most part it hasn't gone all that well for us when we face the Tennessee Titans in a primetime game you know and I don't want to see Derrick Henry running through eight of our, our defenders on national TV and just, you know, just making the team or the defense just look straight bad. So that in itself intrigued me. And just, you know, the the whole element of the ge- the geographical rivalry with Miami and, and Jacksonville now, albeit, you know, they're not rivals to the level of, you know, their division rivals or to the level of like the Pittsburgh Steelers or, you know, something like that. But, you know, there is a geographical rivalry there, I think. You know, when you look at these two teams, the rosters have a lot of young talent, a lot of future pro bowlers uh, in between both rosters. You know, albeit, you know, Miami is still feeling their way through uh, things much more than the Jaguars are. But still, you know, they're right about at the same level 
in terms of, you know, where they are in terms of building a franchise right now. You know, on one side, you got Josh Allen, who was a, a force against these guys last year in terms of their starting offensive line in the preseason. Josh, uh, Josh Allen put himself on the map in that preseason game. And again, that one was also nationally televised in um, a primetime format as well, now that I think of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to see him and how he'll fare against this offensive line that's probably going to be younger. I know they drafted, what, uh, two offensive tackles early in the draft in the first and second rounds. So, you know, he should have some success. Uh, Tua's probably going to be behind center. So we'll get to see Josh Allen versus Tua. You know, again, two of the younger uh, names in this game that could end up being pro bowlers or or all pros or whatever you have you and, and two guys that were very successful on the college level and you know you got Xavion Howard over there playing cornerback for them uh on our side there's Henderson you know so you could just go flip-flop to both sides and just see all of the potential on both sides although neither team has really fulfilled it so you know this is just going to give the nation America just this you know this platform to see these two teams that could be ascending in two or so years and I think you know in the end it'll be a very close game I think the Jaguars can win this one this is one they won't probably embarrass themselves on national tv on either um and and again I think you know it'll be uh when you're looking at these two teams you know I think it'll provide uh some entertaining football uh, albeit you know these teams are two of the younger units in the league yeah, I'm definitely very excited again because it is not Tennessee. And hopefully, depending on how things go, of course, over these next few months, we'll be able to attend that game and everybody here in Jacksonville will be able to have a fun time because it does seem that no matter what the records are, Jacksonville does appear to play very well on Thursday night. And, and, and at least it's it's entertaining. Um, I, I do hope that it's Tua, Jay, for, for the fans' sake and for the nation's sake, but I do think it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick but it does kind of fascinate me because, and I, I said this on an on a recording that I think is now lost, but so um, I'll just say it again. I think Gardner Minshew may be like the second coming of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he could be a guy that could surprise you every now and then, but his his ceiling is what it is. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is a a uh, a good quarterback. He's good, you know. He's never going to be the guy that takes it to the next level. And I hope Gardner is more than that, but I, I think Gardner should maybe try and model his career out of that uh, from Ryan Fitzpatrick if it doesn't work out here. Um, but again, like you said, two very, very young teams and also on, on Thursday night in-state rivalry, quote unquote, you know, not necessarily a, a, the biggest of rivalry for you, but it could mean something in terms of that. But uh, yeah, very definitely very excited to see that. The first team that I'm going to cover here on my list would be the Los Angeles Chargers. So we are going to go to L.A., and uh, of course, that's going to be a 4 p.m. kick because it's out there on the West Coast. So, Jay, the reason I put this on my list is because I want to know, is it the Chargers that have our number or has it been Phillip Rivers this entire time? We now have to play Phillip Rivers twice a year. Now, it may only be just this year. We may not even see him again come next year. But I want to know, it, was it really the Chargers that have always had our number? Because whatever for whatever reason, Jay, we just could not get over the hump on this team. Of course, you also have... Some more intrigue because Justin Herbert could be the starter. Now, uh, it, maybe it's Tyrod Taylor, but because remember the, the Cleveland Browns went into this as well when they drafted Baker Mayfield. Tyrod Taylor's our starter until he wasn't, I think, come like week three or something like that. So, you know, Justin Herbert may be in there. Um, of course, they have a they, they brought in a, a guy like Chris Harris. They had as far as their, their draft, um, besides Justin Herbert, they also got Kenneth Murray, who you and I were very, very big fans of. They also have Derwin James, who is a dynamic player and always really, really fun to watch. Um, but I mean, L.A. is kind of a polarizing team. You know, they were supposedly in the running for Tom Brady, didn't end up with them. They didn't bring in uh, any other veteran quarterbacks to compete with Tyrod Taylor. It seems like Anthony Lynn is pretty good with him. But I'm also very excited to see that new stadium. You know, if if in a perfect world, Jay, I think you and I would really love to go and travel to that game. But, you know, again, we'll see exactly what happens and where the world is come this time. But I, I'm really interested to see them play the Chargers because, like I said, I would like to know, is it has it always been them that have our number or was it just Phillip Rivers? Yeah, that's a good question, man. And that is a good matchup to put atop your list. Um, I'll say this now. I think it was 
a, a big part of it was Phillip Rivers, but I think a part of it is just the Jaguars don't travel well to the West Coast. And you can see like uh, the the kind of lethargic play. I, I don't want to say they're not putting effort for it, but, you know, you could just see like that. It, it feels like the travel just from that coast, from uh, the East Coast to that coast just takes a toll on them because not only does Phillip Rivers have a field day against the defense, typically, if I can recall correctly, our offense has a hard time getting going too. So that's why I think it's more than just a Phillip Rivers problem and more so a traveling problem and maybe even more so like a mindset thing, a a mental thing that they just can't get past. But um, yeah, like you said, I I, want to see that stadium as well because the pictures, man, are just, I don't think the pictures does it any justice. And I think when we see it on TV or, you know, I wish we could see it in person, as you said. But when we see it on TV, I think it'll be a whole different experience. And, uh, yeah, like we're talking about what a five billion dollar stadium probably be more than that when um, all the additional costs are put into it. But, yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting game to watch. Like you said, it's a four o'clock kickoff. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's one that the Jaguars could win um, despite their history against the Chargers. Uh, because of that element of maybe having a um, a younger quarterback in there in, in Justin Herbert, or even, you know, even with uh, Tyrod Taylor, you know, they've beaten Tyrod Taylor in the past before too. So, you know, that's a winnable game on their part that they can really get some momentum from, you know, think about that. All the issues this team has had on the West coast, going over there and getting a victory against the chargers, a team that has really, really given them issues, you know, that will give them a, a load of confidence heading forward from week six, I think it is heading forward because after that point, the games get harder and they're going to need all of the momentum possible uh, to finish up that second stretch of the schedule, that second half of the schedule, because as we all know, that's when the heavy hitters come in. So yeah, that being said, I guess while I'm at it, I'll just transition into the next team on my list. And I have the green Bay Packers and, you know, again, going back to what we were kind of saying about, the whole thing about going to the new stadium over there in um in California, you know, this time the Jaguars will be going to a very legendary stadium, which again, me and you wish that we can go to as well, the legendary Lambeau Field. Um, and it, you know, it's just the whole aura that that stadium brings and playing there. You know, that's just a special feeling in itself. And I think more so though, this game will be a measuring stick for the Jags, um, and to show us where they are. You know, Gardner Minshew against Aaron Rodgers. And also even more so to a, a, a bigger degree, I think this will give us a chance to see if the Jaguars put their faith in this offensive line. Hopefully they'll be healthy at the time. This will show us if it was right or wrong for them to put their faith in this offensive line and not really add that many starters aside from Ben Barch, who, you know, probably will be a project guy. Although I think he could shock some people and enter the starting lineup this year. But from what they've been saying, they view him more as a project guy that could be a starter down the road, not necessarily in the immediate future. So, you know, you got the Smith brothers, uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith are going up against that uh, offensive line. Both of them combined for over like 24 sacks or something like that last year. So, you know, the, there are some guys that can get out there and put some pressure on Minshew and, you know, give us a, a um, you know, a preview of what we're working with with Minshew because that defense, albeit they're not like super elite, you know, they will make Gardner Minshew make some throws downfield and, and uh, you know, link up with those receivers as best as you can. So I'll be interested to see that one. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this could be one of those ones that we could maybe win. You know, the Jaguars always win one game that they shouldn't win typically. Uh, most times, and I don't want to say every year, but most times, maybe this could be that game for them. And again, Going back to that word I use, maybe this gives them some momentum heading into, you know, that second half and that end part of the schedule, which, like I said, is kind of just brutal when looking at the defenses that they'll be dealing with. So we'll be right in the meat of the season when this comes around. This is week 10 when they go up to Green Bay. So November, I'm not 100 percent sure what the weather will be like come that time. Um, I did spend some time in the north. Uh, I lived in Michigan uh, for a few years, but I w- when I was younger, but I mean, in November, who knows what the weather could be like come that time, Jay, that could also be a factor as well. We're going to be, like I said, right in the middle of the season, who knows where this Aaron Rodgers and Jordan love situation is going to be. Um, and that's also been very, very fascinating to watch. You know, the Packers of course didn't draft any help for Aaron Rodgers, and they, it seems they never do 
for some reason. Of course, they'll play Devontae Adams, who you and I were huge fans of the year that he was drafted. We we wanted him here along with Derek Carr. Well, at least I know I did. I was a big fan of reuniting them. But um, yeah, I, I don't think, like like you said, this they do win a game or two that they're not supposed to. I don't think this is going to be one of them. But who knows? It is currently at the time of recording May 13th. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows what's going to be happening in Green Bay? They might have some some issues inside that locker room that we don't even know of that might affect this team. I do think that Green Bay played a little bit better than they actually are last year. And I think that showed itself when it came to the NFC championship game. So I, again, wish we could go to this game. Hope we can go to this game because I Lambo is definitely on my list of stadiums that I want to see in my lifetime. Um, but if, if I'm being honest, I, I see them going in there and, and probably getting waxed. <laughs> Yeah, man, that that was part of what why I wanted to go to it too is because of the weather. You know, like me personally, the, I haven't seen snow that many times to be honest with you. And I also like the winter. You just want to wear your scarves. Yeah, exactly. You 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 hit the nail on the head. I want to wear my scarves, or I want to bust out a mink coat like the Migos did in the T-shirt video. You know, I just want to. I love the allure of wearing winter clothes, and I think Green Bay is the perfect place to do it. But again, like, like you said, man, like we don't know what the whole dynamic will be with um with the coronavirus and the weather for that matter. You know, it could be for all we know, they could be dealing with the you know seventy five degree type of game, seventy degree game. That's unlikely in November for Green Bay, but you just never know with the weather there. So Jay, just while we were talking about that, out of curiosity, I did look it up. So November fifteenth is when the Jaguars are set to play the Packers. November fifteenth of twenty nineteen, the temperature in Green Bay was thirty nine degrees. So you would definitely be able to wear that scarf, Jay, and <laughs> get acclimated to that cold weather. Uh, I, I had plenty of it when I lived in Michigan. So I mean, you can have all that. That's that's on you. Yeah, yeah, my kind of weather, man. I I love the winters here in Georgia too, man. When it started getting in the 30s and the 20s, man, like I'm all for it. Cause dude, I think what it is for me is living in Georgia. Like the gnats and the mosquitoes are just so bad here in the summer and even in the fall too. Like it's like we have spring, fall, spring, summer, and fall. All three of those are like just hot nature months for us. So like. By the time winter comes, I'm just over it, dude. Just so over it. Yeah, I definitely hear you. There's not, we don't necessarily get seasons down here in the South for those of you who are listening from other parts of the country. But that being said, I'll move on into my next pick. And admittedly, Jay, you were a little bit puzzled whenever I put this team on my list, and it's the Cleveland Browns. So going with a team with a whole lot of lofty expectations, I think they had a really good draft as far as them picking up Dredrick Wills. Um, they did get Grant Delpit in the second round, who you and I have talked about this uh, just between the two of us. We we definitely think Grant Delpit's going to struggle mightily in, in the league. Uh, maybe they'll be able to hide some of that, but that's the way they went in the second round. Now, of course, they made a lot of noise as far as free agency. They landed Austin Hooper, who was a guy that a lot of Jaguar fans, of course, wanted to come here. And then they also were able to pry Jack Conklin away from the Tennessee Titans, which I'm definitely okay with, but unfortunately we do get him uh, when that, when Cleveland does come here in week 12. Now, the reason I put them on this list now, of course, Gar- uh, not Gardner Minshew, I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, B- Baker Mayfield story is going to be very, very interesting this year. Now, of course he won rookie of the year. Then last year he had not so great a season with all of those expectations that are now going to carry over into his third year. They, of course, have tons of weapons now, not even including Austin Hooper, who I just mentioned. Of course, they've got OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Njoku, uh, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. So they got all the components on offense to to make them what should be a Madden-style offense, right? Putting up a lot of points, having a lot of fun, moving the ball around. It's a team that should be good and a defense that's actually better than I think people give them credit for. The reason I put this team on my list is it's going to be very interesting where we have we have a quarterback in Gardner Minshew, of course, that is trying to prove himself and prove to the front office that he is go- he is the guy going forward. And you have another guy on the other side in Baker Mayfield, who's also, again, trying to prove that he is the guy. Now, two, look at two quarterbacks that have been in the spotlight very, very differently. Gardner Minshew had, be, you know, became this national treasure based off of just his personality and him being very, very likable. And you look at the other side, Baker Mayfield, again, has a very big personality, 
but is liked and disliked for completely different reasons. Now, Baker Mayfield, I think he's a guy that's very confrontational. If, if somebody talks bad about him, he is very quick to want to try and defend himself and shut down that uh, shut down that uh, criticism. Gardner Minshew, you know, I think while he has, of course, received criticism, he is kind of more of a, a go to f- go with the flow type of guy. So I kind of like that, like yin and yang kind of um, concept here with Minshew and Baker Mayfield. I don't know if that makes sense, Jay, but I just think it will be a very, very interesting matchup again, right in the middle of the season, kind of uh, week 12. So we'll have a little bit of an idea of where both of these teams are. Now we could be looking at a team in Jacksonville that has rattled off maybe a few wins that they weren't supposed to, or looked good in certain spots and a team in Cleveland that is just completely imploding. And that's an opportunity that Jackson Jacksonville can take advantage of. So I'm very interested to see what that, how that dynamic plays out come this time of the season, because I think it could result in a very, very good game and a Jaguar win. Yeah. You know, the Jaguars looking at that first part of the schedule, the first quarter and the second quarter, the Jaguars could very well be over 500. I don't want to say very well be, but they have a chance to be over 500 at that point. And yeah, the Cleveland Browns looking at that organization could be imploding. Now, look, we can't, we don't have room to talk about implosions either. (laughs) <laughs> looking at an organization. So maybe we're looking at a similar situation where we're imploding. But if the Jaguars have some momentum and they are, you know, their head is above water at that time, that's going to be an interesting matchup uh, because that's a game that if the Jaguars win, the argument that, well, there is no argument. They beat a more talented team because, like you said, all of those names you just rattled off um, in Joku. Uh, Nick Chubb, uh, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and even on the defensive side, you know, there, there's some names over there as well, too. And uh, I think one of the stories that we might be missing here, too, is uh, Joe Schobert will also, you know, be suiting up against his old team. And, you know, he could help the Jaguars in a lot of ways against his team, albeit, you know, they have different coaching personnel and whatnot. But, you know, maybe, you know, he can help tilt, the scale in their favor in, in some ways and, and help them in that manner. Now, when looking at this game now, I think on my predictions, I had this being like a relatively close one. And yeah, it's funny you bring up Minshew and Baker because they are mentioned together a lot. And that's exactly what I did in the article, in my predictions article. But I do think that it's a possibility that the Jaguars, you know, this game will come down to like the the fourth quarter, the last two minutes or so. Who makes a mistake between those two? You know, we've seen Gardner Minshew get stripped or, or you know, at the most crucial moments or whatever the case may be. You know, he had some trouble early in the season hanging on to the ball. And we also seen Baker Mayfield make some crucial mistakes late in games as well. So I think that's what we'll be, we'll be looking at in that game. It's like it'll be 14, 17, something like that towards uh, the end of the game. Uh, whoever makes that crucial mistake b- between the two young quarterbacks will ultimately tip the scale in favor of the opponent. And I think, you know, if I can recall, I think I had the Jaguars maybe winning that one. Don't quote me on that one. I have to go back. But I think that will be how the Jags win that one if they do. Kind of like, uh, you know, the last meeting they had with the Cleveland Browns where the Jaguars, you know, was close. And uh, I think it was a strip fumble and somebody fell on the ball in the end zone. And, you know, I think that actually gave the Jazz the lead or further further gave them the league or whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it was a close game. And I'm expecting the same thing this time around. So, yeah, I'll go into my next one after that. And it is the Chicago Bears. Um, Again, just kind of going off of what I said before, uh, you know, everybody wants to crown garden issue and. You know, I think this is another one of those games that will get a chance, especially late in the season, um, you know, as we're heading towards the offseason where the Jaguars will have to make a decision on if he's the guy or not. Obviously, if he kicks, but, you know, he's the guy going forward. Uh, but this game so late in the season will tell us what we have in Gardner Minshew, albeit now some other pieces that you have to take into account here. Like, will everybody be healthy, this, that, and the other? If so, he'll be going against a very elite defense. We're talking about a top four defense here. So I'm I'm interested to see how he fares against that defense. I think it could be a low scoring game nonetheless. Um, some other storylines to really think about here is Nick Foles coming back. I do think Nick Foles will be starting at that point because Mitch Trubisky just isn't all that great. Um, Allen Robinson will also be returning. He'll have a chip on his shoulder. He'll be going against Trey Herndon, and he'll also be going against Henderson 
who we drafted this year, you know, that gives us the opportunity to not only see what Gardner Minshew can do against this defense, but what our first round rookie pick from this year can do against a very good, talented receiver in A-Rob, who almost certainly, if he's healthy or close to healthy, will definitely look to light the Jaguars defense up. So I'll really be watching that on the outside and how those three do on the island. Again, that's Herndon, uh, Henderson, and Allen. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this game just it has a lot of storylines to it, and it'll be uh, just uh, interesting to watch, interesting one to watch unfold. I, I absolutely agree that Nick Foles will most likely be the starter by this time. However, if it is Mitchell Trubisky, the only thing I, I – this is the only time you'll ever see me or hear me say this, I should say, is if Blake Bortles were still here and he played up against Mitchell Trubisky, you know the Spider-Man pointing meme? That is exactly what I think of is if if we got a Blake Bortles versus Mitchell Trubisky matchup to just see those two guys crap it up on the field. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them and just see both of them go nine for 21 for 113 yards, no touchdowns and two interceptions and just the Jaguars win. (laughs) Not nine for 21, bro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then just see the Jaguars win 13 to 10 or something like that. I'm I'm just glad. I'm glad we're not going to see it. But if, if he were still here, if the boat were still in town, I would have loved to see this matchup between him and Mitchell Trubisky. But yeah, a lot of good points as far as Allen Robinson, I definitely think is going to have a chip on his shoulder. Um, I've, I've always wondered, and Jay, I don't know if this has ever been documented, but how he felt as far as the 2017 season, because he wasn't really a part of it. You know, he, he got injured in that very first game. He, of course, was around in the locker room, but you just didn't really hear from him at all during the season. And then of course he was gone the very next one. So um, I'm very interested to see how he does against the, um, the secondary we've put together here in Jacksonville, but yeah, week 16. So who knows what these two teams are going to be playing for, whether it be playoff positioning or draft positioning. I, I, I tend to think it's going to be uh, the, the latter as well, as opposed to the former, but who knows what will happen come that time. But the very last team I have on my list, of course, I, I think, we couldn't leave the Baltimore Ravens off of this list. Now, not only will they have the quarterback, of course, coming off an MVP season, but also a quarterback, Jay, you and I have very publicly uh, had lobbied for uh, before that draft back in 2018 as a guy that we absolutely wanted to see here in Jacksonville. And look at him now, uh, of course, uh, hopefully he'll be able to build upon his MVP season and also stay healthy. Uh, hopefully he's healthy by this time. And the Lamar Jackson that we know he is capable of being. Now, of course, that's going to be very scary for Jaguar fans to watch and for this Jaguar defense to prepare for. Of course, you'll have Calais Campbell um, playing against his old team here in Jacksonville. This game is in Baltimore, so the mayor will not be returning to Saxonville, at least not quite yet. But we do get to go up there to Baltimore. And, and Jay, Baltimore had a good draft, man. Uh, they they ended up getting Patrick Queen in the first round, they ended up with J.K. Dobbins in the second round. They got Devin Duvernay, who, of course, I'm a very, very big fan of. I think he is going to open up a whole new um, list of options for Lamar Jackson and for this for this team. So not too much in terms of free agency signings. Of course, they they got uh, just like I mentioned before, Calais in that trade. But then they did have all those those really good draft picks. And then they're just going to build on uh, what they did last year and adding J.K. Dobbins to who they already have as far as Mark Ingram. I mean, God, that offense, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate that kind of success from year to year, but as far as the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, next to, I would say what, maybe the Patriots and the Steelers, they're right up there as far as consistency. Yeah. They, they, they maybe were down for a little bit, but they were never all the way down. You know what I mean? They never really just went away completely. They've always been a franchise with a consistency that you would, you just would love to see, if you were any other team in the league outside of, like the like I said, the Patriots or the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm really excited for that game. And I think just like the Green Bay game, it's going to be a nice measuring stick to see where we are in this process. Now, um, Ian Rappaport, when he came on and said he felt like this isn't a full-on rebuild, which we have also echoed here on the on the show, as well over as uh, as well as over on the Jaguars wires. So to see them go against, you know, the best of the best. This will give us an idea of how far along we are or how far away we are from where we need to be. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be an exciting matchup. And I, I and admittedly, I just like seeing Lamar Jackson play. <laughs> admittedly, I do, too. And uh, this is one that Jacob definitely is going to be game to watch as well. 
albeit, you know, it's it's been some games where the Jaguars have, and this is one of those teams too, when now that I think about it, you know, regardless of how bad the Jaguars are, they've been able to sneak some in there against the Ravens on occasions. So maybe this is the game we should be looking looking at and saying, like, this may be the game the Jags win that they shouldn't win. But then again, like, this team is super, super loaded. Um, and I've always praised this team, even on my own podcast on the um, the back shoulder fade, uh, which we haven't shot an episode for in a while. But, you know, Ozzie Newsom is arguably the, the best GM to do it in football, period. I know he's no longer there, but DaCosta, who's taking his place, was under him for many, many years. And he's just continued that trend of just drafting the best available player uh, late in these rounds, because that's always where they're picking. And I look at this draft class, man, and they got a lot of talent despite being in the back of the draft order. Like you said, Patrick Queen, man, Uh, J.K. Dobbins can be a one-two punch uh, with uh, Mark Ingram, man. Justin Matabuki, uh, that's a guy that arguably should have been taken around sooner. Duvernay can can provide something in the slot for them as they already have Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown to take care of things on the outside. Uh, Malik Harrison, somebody else I was high on, the linebacker who reminds me a lot of Daryl Smith, uh, former Jaguar and former Baltimore Raven. That may be why they had interest in him because of the similarities. Um, that That's a guy that I can see entering the starting lineup. I don't know who they have starting in the interior linebacker position now, but uh, if it's if it's somebody that isn't notable, I could definitely see Malik Harrison being um, knocked up into that spot. And then um, Ben uh, Brenderson is another guy I saw as a sleeper, as a late round guy. Maybe the Jaguars should have took a swung, swing on in terms of uh, getting a guy for their offensive line because we all you know know what their offensive line situation was. So add all of that with Lamar Jackson, who again like. Me and you have said we're big fans of, man. And, I mean, to be quite frank with you, I think this will more so be a beatdown on the Jaguars' behalf. Then again, you have to see where health is. And, you know, maybe the the Baltimore Ravens limp into this game and the Jacksonville Jaguars are predominantly healthy, and that helps them here. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, like you said, this will be a measuring stick game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They could be either very ugly or it could turn out to be an upset like we've seen a few times in the past where the Jaguars have just put it on the Ravens and it's like, what team are we looking at out there? So I guess time will tell, but I definitely have this one circled on my calendar as well. So those are the three teams that we are most excited to see the Jaguars go up against in 2020, 2021. So Jay, we'll get out of here in just a moment, but really quick, I'll just hear it from you. I'll ask you this. What is the floor for this team? Looking at the schedule right now, as I mentioned on May 13th, way too early but as far as assuming health and assuming everything plays out the way that they should of course we are in very interesting times so that probably won't happen but what's the floor for this team and what is the ceiling I think the worst I can see them going is three wins and I have a hard time seeing that um I know a lot of people has you know said they can a lot of the analysts the national pundits especially see the Jazz winning like one or two games or something like that. I just don't see it. I don't see it. And the most I could say, I would say around seven to eight, maybe 500. Not quite what you would call to a playoff standard, unless, you know, you're in an unusual year where eight and eight gets you into the playoffs. But I think I could see them doing that as well because they could get off to a hot start. And not only that, they got a lot of divisional opponents in the front part of their schedule that if they can win, they could put themselves in good position. Um, you know, past the week eight part. So or, or heading into uh, beyond week eight, should I say so? Yeah, I, I guess I'll say the floor, three wins, the ceiling, I'll go with seven. Yeah, Vegas has the line at four and a half, which I, I agree with you, Jay. Somewhere between three and four wins, I think, is the floor for this team. I don't see them being as bad as like a one and 15, two and 14. There were times maybe earlier on in the offseason where I did kind of feel that way. But no, I, I definitely think it's going to be somewhere around there. The ceiling for me, uh, something similar, I, I think, is going to be eight or even maybe nine games, honestly, Jay. And and that's not where I want the team, admittedly, to be because I would like to see them just move forward with a new franchise quarterback next season. But if you're if you're running about eight and eight, nine and seven, then I, I still believe that Gardner Minshew probably hasn't shown enough. You know, barring some kind of magical season, I, I still don't think that that's going to be enough to keep him around because I think we've talked about this. I'm not sure if it was on or off the air, Jay, where if this team fails and underachieves even to 
the lower standards that we are expecting, then you probably have a new regime coming in next year. Now, of course, Dave Caldwell as well as, as even Shad Khan have been very loyal to both Doug Marone. But if if Dave Caldwell is out, then that likely means that Doug Marone will be out as well. So, uh, you know, that's just something we will, of course, keep an eye on. But it's definitely fun to talk about. And, and Jay, we will have no shortage of Jaguar topics to, to discuss here in the offseason and make sure we are bringing you the best content out there on the podcast airwave. So Jay, that being said, we're going to wrap up and get out of here for the week, but let everybody know what they have to look forward to, not only here in the podcast, but of course over at the Jaguars wire. Yeah, man. So um, tomorrow, which will be Thursday, I plan to post this podcast, hopefully. So we'll try and get this up ASAP. Um, I got plans to, you know, talk about the situation in Florida where um, governor Ron DeSantis was saying, you know, teams can come here to Florida to play. So that's kind of interesting to talk on. I'm going to look at some bold predictions for the draft class. And, uh, you know, I'll also discuss Minshew's odds for Super Bowl or for uh, MVP, league MVP, which uh, recently came on my timeline. And I just kind of found that interesting. So I'll be talking about that as well. In terms of the podcast, again, like we said, you know, we're going to be having on more guests. we got to wrap up our series on uh, looking at, the uh, draft picks, we got to look at the day three picks and the undrafted free agents. We want to have Nick on for that. So that's why we waited for that. Uh, so hopefully we'll have him on next week and can knock that out of the way. And uh, like I said, yeah, we'll be getting guests on. I got a little guest list here of people I want to reach out to uh, within, you know, the Jaguars community and also within the Believe Podcast Library community. So uh look forward to all of that as Phil and I will look to keep bringing you all premier content as we all, you know, practice social distancing and uh, do things the right way for the sake of the country. Absolutely, Jay. Of course, we hope that you guys are all safe and happy at home. And as we do continue to try and get back to a little bit of a sense of normalcy here in the country, you do continue to practice that safe social distancing and just doing what we can to help each other out, because that's the best way to get through this is if we are all in it together and on the same team. So even though we may root for different teams on, uh, you know, Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays, we're all on the same team when it comes down to it in the uh, grand scheme of things. So Jay, this has been another really fun episode. I'm glad we were able to get together. So we will bring you guys, of course, the best and up-to-date content right here in the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. Again, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and comments. That's one of the best ways you can support the show. We're also streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And of course, you can find us as part of that wonderful Believe library at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. I'm at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. That's James Johnson at SportsGrind underscore Don. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe. Do you? We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.